I'm Nick Westrate. This is For the Girls Podcast. Hi, 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 uh, hi. Hi, hi. This is the podcast where gay people, lesbian people, queer people, trans people, bi people get together and we talk about female performers. We talk about women. Yes, which is a very which is a privilege that we do not take lightly. Um, no. Uh, and we're talking about the the queer relationship to to divadom, uh, and this is just an us episode. We're just we're 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 showing us some of our greatest hits, some things that maybe you all kind of skipped or didn't listen to, and we're kind of bringing them up during our hiatus. And this is uh, not an interview one. This is just an us one. This is just an us one. This is you really us like this from... one. I love this episode. This is us from March of 2019 covering Aretha, the documentary about Aretha Franklin called Amazing Grace. And it's just one of the, it was one of the most, it's one of the most powerful albums of all time. And it's, this documentary was so revelatory to me uh, and really took me into my fandom of Aretha in a different and strong way. So this was one of the, I think one, I think, one of the first times that we were able to watch something, we went to the theater. Remember that old thing? And mm-hmm. we, I, I think we both saw it separate solo, right? I, I saw it solo. We did. We did. The chair and it was just heaven. And I think we were both able to fan out about something we hadn't seen before. It was like kind of one of our mm. OG, an OG time of being like, oh, okay, we are totally in this. We're, we had a, uh, you know, not to be whatever, but had a full religious experience on it. And then we just got to get yes. right on the hot mic and be like, okay, like we weren't prepared. We didn't know. Now we do. And, and this is like diva to the heavens, extreme, amazing, like two hours sitting in the dark. Like I said, doing something like that in the theater changed everything for me. It changed everything. Mm -hmm. I I wasn't on my phone. I wasn't distracted. I was really in church. I was in for the sermon and you could feel the sweat. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. On her face. And this, this experience of us talking about this film really taught me that we are able to reach out to genres that may not be most uh, personally accessible to us. I did not grow up in the black church. I did not grow up with gospel music, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't reach for those things, learn about those things, um, become a fan of those things. And that's what this documentary did for me and really opened a different door for me and taught me a lot. So I hope that this episode teaches you and that you go on a little gospel journey while you're waiting for us to come back from hiatus. And we'll be coming back with new episodes in March. If you want extra this stuff, well, we have it. Uh, Essentially, we do a whole other podcast every a week and it's the Patreon. We're looser, we're freer, we're goosier. Sometimes we're even funnier. Uh, It's just us kind of raw and you can get that for $7 a month. You can help support us so we can keep doing this. And it's fabulous. So come to us over on the Patreon. Okay. Uh, amazing. Uh, amazing Grace Angels. Touched by a Battle Angel. Uh, this one's for you. And we hope you enjoy it. We love you. Mwah. Hi. 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 This is For the Girls. This is For the Girls podcast. Uh, I'm Nick Westrate. I'm Jason Black. Um, we host a podcast about 
divas and the queer people who love them. We want, we're here to talk and praise the queens that have shaped and changed our lives. I'm only, um, I'm only worshiping one queen this week, though. And that queen is God, because I'm now a Baptist, because I've been converted to Christianity. Southern Baptist. I'm a, a full, full Baptist. Full-blown <laughs> Baptist. And just in time for Easter, because this is our Easter week episode. I, I'm a I, Christian now. I'm a reverend. I, <laughs> I'm a I'm priest. A, I'm actually, I'm a priestess. I'm a priest. Here's the thing. Here's the things is that like I don't only talk in the podcast, but I talk at the pupil poop the podest, pulpit? pedestal pulpit. the pulpit. Th- that thing is Catholic. Ooh, I-, I am a boy from church. I- this is this is like sacrilege. I can't believe I don't know. Anyways, you are. I'm, I'm a pre- babies. I'm a preacher. I'm a Baptist preacher. Hello, <laughs> hi. It's Come nice to, to my see- church. Thanks for tuning in again this week. Um, <laughs> it's been kind of two weeks since we've done a. a um, a little catch up. Uh, it's so funny. I was just thinking of these episodes. I was, I listened back to our first one of these episodes. Can you ever forgive me? And we were talking about these, oh. these episodes of like just the two of us. And we were like, these are going to be mini episodes. And we were like, we don't know what these episodes are. And I think I figured it out. <laughs> oh, I was going to say we still don't, but good for you, babe. Tell me. Um, you want to hear it? Let me, well, first off, let me tell you, um, uh, can you ever forgive me? That episode, that is our, what you would call in, my world, the genesis of uh, our story. That's the Bible's first chapter, y'all. <laughs> that's, I know that because I am a preacher. <laughs> and, I'm and, a new, and I'm a new Christian, a newly found Christian, yeah. so you're going to have yes. to teach me things all episode. No, we're gonna, I'm going to work really hard to not be sacrilegious this episode. I'm going to work really hard on it. So your mom is going to like this. But, um, yeah, I think. I realize these episodes are, we should just call them, uh, they're just without an expert. They're expertless. Uh, so they just, oh, usually we have, we yes. interview a Stan or an expert. But on these yes. episodes, we just, they're just, they're just <laughs> they're ex- not smart. They're, this, they're what stupider. I realize is that these are the not smart episodes that we're doing. Yeah. I got it, babe. Listening back. Whoo. Whoo. It's so messy that we just, we can just say from the beginning. Actually, you did tell me too before we started taping. You were like, I just, I don't want to say things that are wrong. I and know. I was like. Yeah, that's always that's definitely a goal to not, <laughs> but not one that not really an achievable one. Mm-mm, not for me. Um, how was your week, babe? You okay? What's going on? I am okay. Um, gosh, I really can't. I can't quite. I can't quite think of anything more to say beyond that. I about um, beyond Amazing Grace. I saw it. I think two days ago, and I just it's really rocked me. This is also an episode where we just tell you what to do. The main goal of this episode is to get your whoever is is listening to this podcast to go see this movie called Amazing Grace. This is, this. I would call this an uneducated urgent episode. <laughs> it's an uneducated public service announcement, emergency broadcast system, warning um, episode. But, but um, talk about a true church, the theater, the dark theater is my mm. church. And um, anyway, so yeah, that's kind of been my week. My AMC, baby. Just going to my AMC, sitting there drinking a big old Diet Cola. (laughs) I'm seeing today, I'm seeing Diane with Mary Kay Place, which I'm just saying it here. I might see it and then say that we have to do an episode about it. But my other cute thing that just happened was I just came from the gym. Oh. Because I'm, you know, I'm really not one of those Rock days. solid and built like a... <laughs> I'm not. We were just talking about how much we hate people with abs. Arnold fucking... Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> and, but, but you're mentioning the gym. We did definitely just just go, go on a... 
on a big rant an, about... an ab tangent. Um, Selfie but, ab tangent. No, I'm really I I like going to the gym because it um, gets it gets my mind working. You know. Yes, it does. Clears out the cobwebs. But as Ooh. I was leaving the gym, I saw Ooh. this gay on the rowing machine <gasps> with a Judy Garland tattoo, a Judy Garland Dorothy tattoo oh. on his arm. Where in the oh. same place where our tattoo is, and oh. I had to stop and tap this gentleman on the shoulder and say, I love your tattoo. And then he goes, oh, yeah? Turns around his arm on the other side of his arm <gasps> on the inside of the bicep is Wicked the Wicked Witch. Witch of the West. Ooh. Two Ooh. gorgeous, like, black and white cameos. And then I go, you see this? And I show him my tattoo. And I was like, this is for <laughs> Bette Midler. <laughs> and he was like, oh, the rose. Oh, yeah. No, you know, I just wanted you to show him that and be like, you see this? It's just a rose. And then walked out. That would be so funny. I, I collect roses. <laughs> I like I like flowers. Um, um, no, do, so were you but, this close to her asking him on the pod? I was this close to like telling him about our pod, but I had oh. already interrupted this uh, lovely man's exercise routine already to just say I'm gay too. But I'm if I run into him again at the gym, I will um, tell him to listen to our podcast. Speaking of tattoos. I, my local, one of my local um, restaurants, Thai restaurants, there's a waiter that I keep um, eyeing who has uh, the names of divas tattooed down his forearm. What? From this, yes, from the song. I'm pretty sure, like, I'm tr- I try not to be, like, so obvious, but I'm pretty sure it's the names from... Um, Midnight Radio? From Hedwig and the, yes. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. Wait, and he has those Patty, names. Tina, Aretha, Yoko, Aretha, Yoko, Aretha. Winona. I don't think he has Winona, but I think he, he stopped at Aretha. And but there's like four of those names. Wait, he stopped tattooed. at what? He stopped at what? Aretha. Aretha. He Aretha at Franklin. Our new... Aretha He's... Franklin, okay. our diva of the Miss... week, our queen. Miss not my diva of the week. Miss my diva of the year. My century. Century. My. I mean, duh. Like you can't come to this podcast and not think that we haven't always loved Aretha. I remember. I remember driving to New York. My memory is driving to New York, and we were we listened to her greatest hits when I was eighteen. I remember going through the bridge, and we, you had, I think, a CD, mm-hmm. her greatest hits CD, and I remember that being my very first New York experience. So we've oh, always really? loved Aretha, and she played. A, she's always played a big part of my life. But this movie, I mean, okay, one so of the closest things I've seen to God. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I. It's it's such a um, oh also I want to say before we s- jump into the movie um, we don't like we said before we don't have an Aretha Stan on this week we want an Aretha Stan and we will when we find that Aretha Stan please write in tell us out your friends who are a crazy Aretha Stan let us know and we will have another Aretha episode so quick you won't even believe faster than you can spell respect we will have faster that than you episode spell respect. out. But as Nick said, what you're going to get right now is is an uneducated, uninformed discussion, which right. is what we do, babes. I love that that's your discovery. <laughs> now we're just, <laughs> honey, yes. What are you? I, we didn't actually go to the diva college that everyone thinks. Okay, fine. I didn't go to diva college. <laughs> I didn't go to diva I college. I lied. I lied. <laughs> 
I've realized I've realized after listening back to a couple episodes, we don't know what we're talking about. But that's okay. That's okay. All right. Girl. It's the podcast okay. revolution. Um, talk, okay. Let's talk about what we don't know about. What movie? So we, okay. we said it. Amazing so you have Greece. everyone just stop listening to this podcast. Do something <laughs> positive with your life and stop listening to this and go and watch Aretha Franklin film called Amazing Grace. It's a documentary of her. So she has a, a live album called Amazing Grace, which is the highest selling gospel record of all time. Um, it was released in 1972. Uh, she recorded this. Uh, this con- She did it over two nights at Watts New Temple Missionary Baptist Church in Los Angeles, California. Um, and it was directed by Sidney Pollack. And so what happened with so what happened with that is Sidney Pollock was just coming off of uh, they shoot horses don't they one of the best titles ever I know great uh, movie for, for a movie yeah great movie really evocative title he was just coming off of that he was still kind of a young talent and he kind of vied to to shoot this concert and he didn't bring the clappers you know the the, the, the kind of things that they clapboards that they that they show and take one clap. Mm-hmm. Uh, to sync up, which is what we do. We clap, my dears, when we start our podcast. That's right, we do. Sync um, up. Yeah, they're also called the sticks, and they sync up the sound and the video. For everyone who listens to this who is n- um, not made a movie, that's <laughs> how that works. And he didn't do that, so none of the sound was synced up. At and all. He never, at ever. All. Over, over two whole- nights. The cameras were shutting on and off, and there was no way to sync up the sound. Like, all of this intricate sound, right? It wasn't just, obviously, Aretha singing. No, it's, you have a choir. So she was backed by the actual choir of this church, which is amazing, which is one of my favorite parts of the entire film, because they're just a normal choir. They're just people. Chilling. Just, they just seem to be chilling, too. It's, it's so unnaturally calm and heightened at the same time. I've never, I I keep describing, it's like, there's a tension in this movie that is indescribable. Well, yes. The, the, so many different tensions in the movie. So yes. you've, got, you've got the sound from the choir. Aretha brought her own rhythm section from mm-hmm. New York. So you've got like you know, a bass player. You've got someone playing percussion. And, and then you've got uh, the Reverend Cleveland, Reverend James Cleveland, who it was his church. And he's accompanying her on the piano. And so there's, and then you have the audience too, and then you have the audience who they're, you know, the reason that she did this live. One of the reasons she did this live was to have that experience of the audience as a participant in at a Baptist church gospel concert. You know that you, it's not the same without that audience participation. And Reverend Cleveland also sings with her and also preaches throughout the two night event. I love him. Oh, I love him so much. I love the energy that he starts. He's he's also strangely relaxed. When I say tension, there is like he starts it and he has this like kind of calm, certain demeanor. But it's it's they shot this in the summer, so everyone is sweating. It's yes. really hot in the theater. You could tell. But the when you watch this, Aretha sings at in this calm demeanor that I've never seen and the sound that comes out of it the tension the sound that comes out is so enormous and that's how I feel about this concert the whole time it's like huge things are happening and at the same time they're just floating in air well that's I mean and that's while the the events are going on that's the genius thing too I mean this is right this is like this idea the zen of performing right is 100% engagement 100% relaxation 
and that's the Zen that no one achieves that, you know, that everyone works for that no one achieves except for Aretha Franklin. Um, oh, can I just, um, so I'm just, so I'm just going to shortcut and I would just want to read, uh, Peter Rayner's, he writes for the Christian Science Monitor. This is a, just a brief description. Amazing Grace, featuring Aretha Franklin at the height of her powers, is one of the greatest concert documentaries ever made. It reaches so far into transcendence that watching it becomes an almost ecstatic experience. Mm. Ecstatic is the word. Ugh, I, I don't want to talk about her like uh, a supernatural being because that's always where I try to go to. But the other tension I'm interested in. I know. In I don't either, but this. I really have no other words. But the cool thing, the interesting thing is as an artist, she is, yeah. the talent is supernatural. But then as a performer, she's so real and she's so grounded and so honest. There's this tension between, and you were hitting on it before, there's a tension between the person in the room and the spirit that she's connected to or the true or the talent that she's connected to and, right and there's a tension between those things the first thought i had when she came in was i was shocked by her ease mhm her ease mm-hmm. and her humility and she was she's pregnant with emotion from the beginning she has so much she she knows she has so much to say and so much to sing and so much to preach but she comes in and she seems humble in, you know, under the eye of God, I imagine. And she sits at the piano and starts with um, with this song called Holy Holy. And the start of it, she, it starts with love. And the first line that hit me so hard, like a Mack truck, was when she says, we should believe in each other's dreams. I just remember that, I remember seeing the, the audience I feel like in that, like, I, when she speaks that line, I think they pan to the audience. Mm-hmm. And it's like she's saying that to them, and they're saying, yeah, like, we do, we believe in your dream. She's saying, I'm going to believe in yours. Together, all of the strength. Oh, 
she brings everyone together, right? It's about, it, and it's when I say holy, holy, it's W-H-O-L-Y, and then holy is an H-O-L-Y, so completely holy. She's making, and she brings the congregation together to make a completeness and talk about, you know, together, if we, like, listen to the Bible, the book that Jesus left us, we can conquer hate. This idea of, like, love bringing us together, like, congregating, making this home, and so much about her making this gospel album and making um, making this film was about her coming home to the church. Because at this point, she had eight consecutive number one hits. She's just at the height of her career. And she pop comes... Hits. Pop hits, yeah. And she comes home to her music that she learned. And I love this idea of home being a congregation of people. And Aretha was raised in the church. Her father was a reverend. Yes, and um, he's in the so... film. And and the and the person that she's working with, she was he was kind of her mentor, James Cle- Reverend Cleveland. James, yeah, Reverend Cleveland kind of mentored her and kind of got her in into uh, uh, influ- in influenced uh, you know kind of her instrument mm-hmm. and taught uh, her taught her taught her these songs. He was the first one to teach her this music and how to interpret it too. I think I mm-hmm. think she learned a lot of kind of her orchestrations from it i think with this movie when we talk about tension what i was reading what's so fascinating about uh and kind of you know it's kind of shot fly on the wall Mm -hmm. you know like it's not there it's and why that's so weird is that it feels like this just gigantic production but the camera because they didn't use any um clapboards Mm -hmm. they were able to just to kind of roam around they didn't yeah. have to stop and start and like and kind of shuffle the production. It was just this organic thing that they were naturally kind of capturing, mm-hmm. uh, which which is which is yeah, just like kind of nothing I've I've ever seen before. It's this kind of raw energy that I as much as the album and I've I, I've I've had this album on vinyl for ten years. As much as I loved this album, seeing some, like seeing it, Ugh. and also, um, she, mm. I just had this like she connects us all through love, like that's what this entire thing is about is love, hmm. and that she is a, that she is like the embodiment of that loving connection, like that's yeah. what love sounds like, and she really does just seem like a vessel for all of it. You know, like she does, she she keeps her eyes closed through most of this concert, and mm-hmm. she appears. She, her, she just she lets out these wails, just these, just this sound that you cannot can believe can be coming from. Yeah, like we don't want to be like too goopy, 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 like spiritual, but it is just this like Buddha meditative like demeanor where she's just swaying in the spirit, and everything is being channeled through her mm-hmm. love and, it, and you can community. And you can tell that there's a cost to it. Like it's taxing on her. I also was thinking in that song, Precious Memories, she has, um, she, yeah, there's a lyric about sacred secrets. And you think, like, I made me think like, oh, Aretha does know the sacred secrets. And is that a blessing or is that a curse or is it both? That, you know, she, it seems like she knew more than we did or that anyone else did. And that's why she could be in this position as like, I was thinking of her as like, she is God or she is the pastor or she is a sister or she's a woman or she's just 
a prayer, you know? She's all of those. She moves between all of those identities for me in this concert. And, I mean, you know, we're two white boys talking about yeah. uh, about this. And uh, they're, they've, they, when, this mov- when this film came out uh, last week, they interviewed people who were in the choir. Mm-hmm. And they all just said it was, a, you know, I, I was singing with uh, the Queen of Soul. And I think what that meant for that community at that time mm-hmm. to, to be in that space. It's kind of funny. Night one, it's like not completely full, which I was like, how is it not completely full? I know. And, uh, what? <laughs> then no way in this world would that exist now. That like, And then night two, it's so full that her father flies from Detroit. I imagine that's where he was. That mm-hmm. he, got, he says he got on a plane that morning. Mm-hmm. And he flies from Detroit. And Mick Jagger comes. Yep. Mick Jagger and, was... And he uh, sneaks up to the front row, too. He sure... Well, he, you, you cannot creep up. I mean, the thing is, like, wouldn't you, wouldn't you literally, like, be... Like, I'm going to get on her lap. I mean, there was at one point a woman was, like, the spirit was fully in her. And she they had to hold her back from, like, coming and, like, embracing her. I don't know I what feel, she was I trying to do. Oh, she's got the spirit, babe. She's got she, the spirit. It was amazing. There was also a part where a lady just walks in and, like, she's late and she comes in with her sunglasses on and her purse and she's just not even fussed about it. And it's oh, so beautiful. You see, like, I'm sure it's completely different in the white churches that I grew up in, but I, I also just love church as fashion show. It is a like, fashion It's a fashion, fashion show. show. Can, now everyone's so lazy when they go to church, but it used to be like, you really did put on your Sunday best. Mm-hmm. Like you want, you wanted it, you know, that's when you get, get to kind of make a scene. You're not like doing your day job. You get right. to go to church and, and be cute as hell. And everyone is seven in 1972 uh, button down gorgeous. Looking beautiful. Well, and also you're going to praise the Lord and you don't want to yeah. go to praise the Lord, not looking fit to go to heaven. You know, you no. want to look like dressed no, for heaven. And then you're no, going ma'am. to see the queen of soul, Aretha Franklin. Oh, um, you don't really have that much relationship with uh, church music, right? I don't have, no, because no, I, no, I did not really grow up in church. But you did. I did. I definitely did. I was, I'm, I was Presbyterian, so it's different than Baptist, but my dad was, my dad uh, was Baptist, and um, I actually, my grandparents were really against um, being baptized as children because you had to. You had to make that choice. It was pivotal to, for them right. that you uh, you had to accept the Lord as your savior. On you had to own. understand what you were doing, and I did when I was seven in their church. Oh. I remember being like, "Guess who just got Jesus?" Um, and my grandma cried, and she was so happy. And I remember the, a song that she would hum to herself in the kitchen uh, was What a Friend You Had in Jesus. I mean, she did in her white lady voice, but I just need to play what it's like in Aretha's hands. Yes. Oh, what a friend, friend 
mean, if church was like this, oh my god. If church oh, was like this, every, I would go every, I would go every day of my life. I mean, maybe it is. Maybe I need to go back to church. Your mom's gonna love this episode. <laughs> 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 my mom's gonna fly out and is like wanna go to church now <laughs> I flew all um, the way out here I'll take you to church oh so my absolute favorite person in this documentary my absolute favorite person in this documentary second favorite person second favorite per- my second favorite person in this documentary after Aretha Franklin is definitely the man in the choir who's very short with the glasses on oh yes who just like walks around uh huh when he just he gets the spirit in him cause the choir is so they, they're really just sitting down and sometimes they even look bored and then they sing, and it's astonishing, this astonishing sound. Oh, and the choir is led by a man named Alexander Hamilton, not the president, just a choir leader, um, who is a, fierce and so cute. So cute. Like, so cute. But they, I was reading that they hired him because of his encyclopedic memory. Yes. that And, and, and the thing is, what's like again, we're talking about the tension and really trying our best, our uneducated best to describe this experience because it really is an experience. It's like, a, like a back to constantly wanting to tell you this is like nothing I've seen. You just have to do this. Is that it seems improvisational. Like mm-hmm. it seems kind of like they're like, hey, let's just let's sing some songs. Like there, There's that kind of vibe where like. Maybe the maybe the choir is supposed to come in or not, but actually, like Aretha, being the perfectionist that she is, what had worked with that choir for a month. Mm-hmm. They had been rehearsing these songs, so it seems absolutely organic, as if like Aretha is just going to riff. But she would tell him, like, "This is this is how I want this to build. This right. is when I want you to come in." And it does just seem like he's just following her, but it's actually it's like it's kind of a choreographed, planned, right. Uh, because she was a master musical arranger. I mean, she was a complete genius. Right. I actually also was listening to, I think it was on NPR that they were talking about this, that that church is considered by musicians as sacred as like the chapel that Mozart composed in. Wow. You know, it's thought of that way because of that Aretha made this record there. Wow. And I just love that so much. Wow. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely Googled it. Oh, yeah. I Google oh, yeah. mapped it. I was like, okay, how close am I to this holy land? <laughs> like, oh, we should go there. Mm-hmm. It's not that far, actually. I want to go there. Like 25 minutes. I know. We should. We should take a picture, put it on our Instagram. <laughs> put it on our Instagram. Oh, yeah, that reminds me. We're follow dedicated. us on Instagram. Um, whatever. Okay. Don't use social media. Become a Baptist and follow the Lord. Honestly, honestly, <laughs> honestly, that's get, the only choice you have because and get then slick. And so it's two. So it's God. two nights. Also, you should know because this confused us a lot. The album, which you should be listening to by now, you should have turned this podcast off to turn on the album Amazing Grace and listen to Aretha all the way through. Um, it's not in the same order as the film, so it's very confusing, and the nights are different, right? The nights are different, and she, she she tinkered with the with the album itself. She added vocals. She added um, instruments mm. um, to the orchestration. Uh, so so, and that's why you know they knew they were making this album, and that they were making this, and and, and that they were making this film. But but because the audio was so impossible to sync up, and everyone just gave up on it, and there you know, and then it kind of did, it languished for thirty years. Until this producer a decade ago was like, I'm going to work on this and like basically dedicated his life to it. Um, There was there's no real pure version. Right. Of those nights. Yeah. And Um, there are there are little sections where they cut 
to like the rehearsal. Oh my god, her rehearsal outfit. Oh! Those red pants and the blouse and, and then, a gold necklace. And those red, those that red kind of shoe that Bet always wear mm-hmm. wears. It was kind of it was like kind of a 30s high heel. Like I have to look up what kind of shoe that is with the purple sock. She mama was wearing like a purple stocking. Uh, I literally have a note here, a scrawled on legal paper from the dark that is just half a page that says rehearsal <laughs> outfit and me trying to categorize everything. Like as soon as it happened, everything she was wearing and the thing. <laughs> me too. I was like, I don't know how to talk about music, but I do love me a look. <laughs> That's why we're queer. Yeah, um, oh, wait. So speaking of that, since I want to talk about this more on the podcast, since this podcast is about why queer people love divas and since we are sociologists... Yes. Let me tell you something. You're going to ask me why. I, well, okay, wait, let why? me tell you something that's queer. No, I'm going to tell you something that's queer about a reason. What my unprofessor? Give me it. <laughs> what my stupid friend I talked to. What my podcast. stupid unprofessor, uneducated friend? What is your take? Um, authenticity is queer. She is so authentic, and she is performing out of her authentic self, and that is something that queer people respond to because it's such a journey. For us, I mean, it's a journey for all human beings to find their way to authenticity. It's a, pra- it's more of a practice than a journey. But you can see her practicing singing from the center of her being. And that is just something that uh, as a, I, a my, the gay part of me finds that so thrilling. And I'm going to give you another word, another A word, which is she's assured. Mm. Yeah. She just has, I think... And I think that's why, you know, back to what we have this podcast, what we're drawn to is a confidence of just being like, I'm here, like, I'm going to give you exactly what I want, mm-hmm. what I want to give, because I know you will need it and take it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so lives it is a in service. that truth. It's a service, too. It's a service for this congregation that she's doing. I never think of religious service like that. Like, I always think of a service as a thing you go to, but it's a service. Like, someone's providing you a service. And that's what I, mean, I really got from her. You, I mean, this isn't in the documentary, but this was, I remember right before Aretha died, she performed for Carol King for the Kennedy Honor Centers. Yes. Came out in that uh, fur jacket and just slammed the house down. Like, I mean, I watched it in my bedroom and I was off my feet. Like, I watch like it vibrating. I watch it repeatedly. We watch it all the time. And <laughs> it's just. But that was also a service. And I think it was also and that's, a service. That's sorry, that song's Natural Woman, oh, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You make me feel like a natural you woman, which feel, she, yeah. which Carol King wrote, Aretha made famous and did the best version of. But she was also giving a service, not just to Carol, who wrote a lot of songs that Aretha sang and a song in this, because she does You Got a Friend Christian version, which is a Carol King song. Oh, which is we what play I a little call bit it. of it. Let's play. Yeah. I, it's a melody. She does like a melody. It's a medley. Um, it's a melody. Med- oh my god! I hate- <laughs> it's a medley, which means it has more than one melody. Me- yes, it's medley, 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 medley. That's fun for dyslexia, isn't it? That's uh, no. It's it's it is. It's one of my constants that I've done as a kid forever. I still, even now that it's we're okay. laughing about it, I don't remember the right way now. Like, I'm like, no, I. Um, let's play some of it. Yeah. When you're down in trouble, you need some love and care. Ain't nothing. 
love that she's giving you advice about like you've got a friend in Jesus. Like you can come to Jesus. You like you, he's your friend always. He's always there. And I don't know. It is the chillest way possible too. She's like, she's just like, y'all. You want you want to get on this hot tip? You want to get on this like easy groove I'm on? It's like it's right here. I'm just gonna speak to your your soul. And then again, most assured. A most confident, but absolutely non-threatening way. Like, it is just light, and it is just love. And also what we were talking about before in terms of service, when she performed at that Kennedy Center Honors, it wasn't just a service to Carol King. It was also a service to the Obamas, because it was the Obamas were about to leave. Um, Barack Obama was about to leave office. And I always think of it, too, as she was singing, because, you know, they're all sitting together in that box. But watching Barack Obama cry, I mean... Do you remember when the president had a soul? I remember when she sang in his inauguration and she sang from mm-hmm. Ragtime. Till we reached that day. Yeah. And she wore, oh, that hat. Wore that hat. Um, uh, wait, I have, another, the- I have another A word for you. Yes. Amazing yes, Grace. So, Amazing Grace. So night one of the concert. Twisted, so two screwed. Nights. Just she tore. does Amazing Grace and the most, uh, I mean, amazing rendition of that song. I mean, I can't even, you can like, imagine. Go see the movie. Quit listening to this podcast. It's unrecognizable what she does to that song, really. I mean, at some but point, you're like, what is this? The biggest, the biggest tea for me, and again, we are two white gays talking about this, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. Reverend Cleveland, to set up the Amazing Grace, quotes it. First, he says when he heard her sing this in rehearsal that he was he was very moved by the line of many dangers, toils and snares. And he says, and we've known quite a few of those in the past few years. Mm -hmm. And you just realize, like, not only is this um, an African-American congregation in 1972, which, you know, so when he says that, I think I think of the whole civil rights movement, everything that's happened in the 60s. The loss of Dr. King, the loss of Fred Hampton, um, Bobby Kennedy being shot, um, George Jackson being killed. Shirley Chisholm has just launched her run for the presidency in 1972. I mean, so many things. The Civil Rights Act, the Voting Rights Act, Selma, and also the Watts riots. Mm -hmm. So the Watts riots, so this is where we become a history podcast for a second. But in 1965, um, an African-American motorist was pulled over by um, a cop and an argument broke out and it escalated into a fight with police. And then the police had apparently hurt a pregnant woman. And so there were six days of riots in Watts, which is where this church is. And California brought in the National Guard. 34 people died. And it was the worst riots until 1992. But that's like what was happening in California. We think of just... I sometimes think too much of the civil rights movement is just happening in the South. It was happening everywhere. Everywhere. Including California, where, like, you know, Angela Davis was jailed. Anyway, all of these things were going on. But when he said that, you were just like, this idea of, like, grace will lead you home, and that home is this church, and that she... And community, too. You Mm -hmm. know, like... uh, You know, we talk about representation, you know... Aretha was able to represent, like, you know, literally the queen, like America's queen. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so funny thinking about context. I think about, again, like, it's like, you all, like ob- I think it's like we all just kind of accept Aretha as our, one of our all-time greatests. Like, I think her music is so ubiquitous 
it's 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 just always there, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's like it's literally our songbook. It's our it's our classics. Even if right. like other people wrote it, other people have covered these songs. It's her versions that just will yes. never leave. Will never yes. leave us. And so I think for that we take her for granted. I don't. I I can't. I don't know. I can't really speculate. But I wonder what would have happened if this movie was released and what her status would have been, because to me this cements something. Altogether different. Yeah. And this and this is this document is like nothing I've seen from any artist. No. Um, and so I just I just do wonder like what kind of what if she's already in the stratosphere, she already is the stratosphere. If this had come out when she was still alive and in the 70s, I, I just I, I don't know, I can't even fathom that that impact. And she was such a because she was already such a huge part of changing the world and a huge part of the civil rights movement. She was the voice of the civil rights movement, you know, in song, you know, and it would have been huge. It would have been a huge impact when she sings the word home in Amazing Grace. She makes home sound like the safest, coolest, grooviest, most wonderful place ever. And this I kept thinking this is like the main thing I was thinking up to the whole thing is this idea of home and what home is like i said before like maybe home is your congregation your church your friends your community but then home is also death in amazing grace you know or heaven you know that that's where the grace will lead you home just all these different journeys home and what that is and she uses she uses the word home a lot in this but when she sings it in that song it's it's everything. It makes me believe in heaven. It makes me believe, um, and it makes me want peace. It makes me believe that there's like some peace is waiting. Peace, peace. I, uh, that, yeah. I meditate. I and this is this is this is one of my things. I, I truly I do one of my the, the words that I've, I've meditated on for a couple of years is truly the word grace because I mm. think it's like I, I I'm not I'm not a spiritual person. I'm not. Um, not a religious person in any way, but I love the word grace. Mm-hmm. I love just like if I need to take a moment and to call up a word, I love the idea of giving grace to myself. Yeah. Be, which just means being tender, being soft, giving, giving yourself a break, giving yourself that grace. And I love the idea that people also give me their grace. That is... It, that word just fills me up. Like, it, it, it really does. And I, obviously, it does carry over from my time in the church. But grace, you know, church for queer people can be really hectic and really judgmental. And grace is the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. It's understanding. It's, it's, it's allowing you to, uh, uh, t- to be you and, and give you that love. And, it, and it's amazing. Amazing. Grace. 
Her voice, this is what I was thinking during the song, is her voice is so, you know, we always try to talk about Aretha's voice and how it is the greatest voice. But what it's capable of is she can praise higher, she can thank greater, she can cry bigger, she can just love more, she can exult more because of the instrument she has. She can do that for us and she does it for this congregation and that's her service for them. She can praise the Lord in a greater way because of her musicianship. I think that that's very, I think that's like, that, that's something that I also want to talk about. I think that's very important. Again, we'll talk about this with our Aretha stand. But what, what I think a lot of people think about with pop stars, and, 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 it's, and it is common, is that uh, there's like a whole industry around them kind of creating their sound and their music and, and, um, and all of that. Aretha truly was... Uh, uh, was the captain of the ship. Yes. She she uh, she controlled the arrangements. She you know played that piano. Oh, I wish she played more of the piano because when she does get on the piano, oh, it's when she just next. I get so excited. So she's also on the piano for my other favorite song. Yeah, on this, which, one? which is called um, uh, Oh ne- Not Grow Old, which is the last song on the second night. But mm-hmm. she gets back on the piano, and I get so excited when she's on the piano because it means that more of her body is making music, and that just makes me so happy because it's better music because it's coming out of Aretha's body. And it's also so talented that you're like, oh, no, no, she can do this too. She oh, can yeah. play this casually, brilliantly. It's that tension. It's so casual. She's just like, oh, is What's- this a piano? Blah, 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 blah. And then you're but just like, 
Uh, it's the ease of a virtuoso. I mean, yes, that's the thing. Of, it's ease of a genius. It's, it's ease, of a ease of a genius. I mean, yeah. She, what she is is a genius. I mean, she is a genius. I mean, when I read that thing about Mozart, I was like, yes, that's who to compare her to. Don't bother comparing her to anyone unless it's Mozart or Einstein. Like, those or God. Are the people. <laughs> or God. <laughs> or God. Uh, those are the people I want to compare her to. Also, <laughs> also in that song, In Amazing Grace, when she says safe, the word safe, Right. Hath, hath brought me safe thus far, like the historical, all that stuff we we're talking about before. It's just for that whole community, the idea of coming home safely, you know, in that climate that they were in all the time, it meant so much more. I mean, her phrasing, her phrasing in every one of these songs, y'all, is so brilliant. And they, and, and, and she, she, it, it, it does just feel like she's kind of doing, which is a church thing of like riffing um, and going off. But again, captain of her ship. She is. She has this planned. She mm-hmm. is in the pocket, and she knows what she is doing. You know, Do like you it's... think she has the part planned and never grow old when the spirit takes her over? <laughs> yes, I think she's too genius. I think she's too genius. I I think she's just too brilliant to not at least have some somewhat of that set up. We're, I'm not even going to play that because it's not the same on the record as it is in the film. You have to go to the film to see this. But there's a because it's probably the greatest moment, right? It's the greatest moment where you think yeah. you think she's finished singing, and she's not finished singing. Um, and then I I'm uh, <laughs> I'm obsessed with what her one of another one of her idols comes with her father, Clara Ward, and Clara Ward gets up and and is is like knocking knocking the woman down and. and and yeah, Clara Ward is the one. Yeah, Clara Ward is the one who catches the woman and like prevents her. So Clara Ward is this historic icon of gospel music who was Aretha's mentor, like and one of her idols. And so, and 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 they do a number. They they do one of Clara's um, uh, major numbers called "How I Got Over," it. and we just have to play because I I love it and it's been in my head. I can't every time every time I wake up in the morning, I go "How I Got Over." Like how yes. I overcame, like just my day, like I, I really am invoking that. Um, and when you say, that, when you say one of Clara's numbers, she wrote it. She wrote it. Yeah, she wrote it, as well as like made it famous on the record. How I got over. That's my bop, babies. That's my good morning. Wake up. Put on your Sunday shoes to do something gay. Because how I got over. How I got over. That is, you know, listening to how that I song. Got, how I got over my hangover. How I got over the next twenty minutes on the treadmill. I'm gonna, mm-hmm. I'm gonna keep. How I got over having to ride the subway every day. Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. I got over the fact that Donald Trump is president. 
how we got over not knowing anything but still keep talking about it. That's how we got over. (laughs) How I got over everything this week. Everything. I, you know, listening to this song, I have to tell you, we keep trying to describe this experience and obviously we can't because it's undescribable, but it also is exhausting. Like, I came out of that theater needing a full-blown nap. I felt like I had run a marathon. <laughs> like, I was pla- – my mind and body were placed in – as pe- like, y- y'all look at the reviews. They keep using the word ecstatic. You mm-hmm. are placed for two hours in this kind of ecstatic high that, like, listening to this bop, I, I, I go back to being like – Wow, that was transcendent. Like, uh, like you know, it was like watching some kind of action movie or something. That's just like everything's blowing up for two hours, except it's just like in it's this. It's just like, your soul that's lit. blowing up. Yeah, it's just your soul that's exploding. Yes, yes. And, a bo- and you're just watching people's souls explode and like realizing that it's it's yeah again and again the, it's just so bizarre because it's so low key too. There's something so casual about this. And that's married with this kind of gigantic, these gigantic numbers. And like you said, just kind of people casually coming and going. And the way they edited that was just so smart to me, too. Mm -hmm. Like, where they're just like, nah, this is just kind of a revival. (laughs) You know, like, no biggie on a Saturday night. Mm -hmm. Um, Aretha's just going to come out and, and sweat. Girl is sweating the entire time, too. Like, I know. When... She passed away last fall, like right when we started doing the pre-work to make the podcast. And I remember Mm -hmm. we talked about whether we could do Aretha without an Aretha fan or if we were even allowed to talk about Aretha. And I'm so glad we did because I can't keep my mouth shut after seeing that documentary. And I just have to get everyone, all of our battle angels to buy tickets and be in the audience for it truly battle battle this i mean we're we're coming from a place of privilege because we both live in la and new york um but i do think if you are in la and new york like you should understand how privileged you are though that's it's right now only showing in those cities so if you have that option go to see this like that's they're also they're also it, screening it at some churches though oh they and can i just say like you know like nick and i do really i mean movies are our church it is our place like i, I i'm gonna see beak for both of us that we go to to calm us, to center us. Um, we have always loved it. Nick mm-hmm. and I have always loved the movies. If you are going to experience it outside of the theater, literally turn your phone off. Turn yeah. off the lights. Make it sacred. Make it sacred. Be in this, be, be in this moment. Make it spiritual, like you said. Like, go to church. So. Go to church. Um, I, uh... <sighs> yeah. I... I just found another little thing I want to share with you, which was I was reading something and they referenced, um, do you know that Nikki Giovanni wrote a poem about Aretha? No. It's called Poem for Aretha. It's really long and I'm not going to try to read the entire poem on this podcast today, but a lot of it touches on something you talked about earlier, which is how she, she would perform a song and then no one else would ever touch it again because it became hers, you know? And that mm-hmm. she, the idea that, she pushed other black artists into their blackness. Like mm-hmm. that's kind of the idea around Nikki Giovanni's, or one of the many ideas in Nikki Giovanni's poem. But the poem ends like this. Aretha was the riot, was the leader. If she said, come, let's do it, it would have been done. Temptations say, why don't we think about it? Think about it. 
think about it. Aretha made it happen. Her brilliant actions, her authenticity, her musicianship, she was the one who did it. And I don't fully understand Nikki Giovanni's poetry because I do not come from the African-American experience or the female experience, but it's an amazing poem. Like, get it tattooed on your forearm because it's so beautiful and such a great testament to Aretha and where she falls in the pantheon of other great artists. For me, where she falls in the pantheon after seeing this concert, which I think, again, we always, we've already touched on this, the queen, the everything. I'm kind of like, you know, I'm I'm done with the boys club being like, it's the Beatles and Bob Dylan and the Rolling Stones. It's like, no, 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 sweeties. It's Aretha. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's Aretha. Like, you cannot sit through this concert and not know that she is the greatest of all time. The greatest, period. Like, and stop, mm-hmm. uh, you know. You can talk to me about Mozart. Yeah, you can talk, you can to, talk me. to me yep. about yep. Shakespeare. Yes. And, and you can it, talk to me about Aretha Franklin. And God. Again, God. <laughs> so we have yes. four people that we can sit around <laughs> and debate. But that's is, it. That's now that, it. Now that this is a Christian radio show, we are sure. only going to talk about those four divas. Sure. <laughs> Mozart, God, Aretha, and Shakespeare. So get ready for it. It's a big turning point in the podcast's trajectory. Well, listen, uh, <laughs> you're, if you're still with us, Battle Angels, <laughs> um, thank you. Thank you for uh, letting us uh, prattle on. This movie meant a lot to us. I think it'll mean a lot to you. And thank you for letting us. And um, thank you, Aretha, for uh, making this concert so just prof- – I mean, to reach the heathen gay hearts like to, – to, to, to save a wretch like me – Mm-mm. To take a quote from a song, it takes a lot. And thank you for that. Thank you for... Thank you, Aretha. I also just think... I th- I'm trying to do this in my practice, my day, my life practice. Just saying, I'm so lucky. <gasps> I'm so lucky. I got to see that. I felt that mm. way when I saw Roma. Roma, throwing the Roma, where I just I, thought... Yeah. I can experience this. <laughs> like, I, I'm so lucky. And then this, I thought, mm-hmm. I, gotta ex- I got to have this experience. And I need to... Be more aware when when these things come, and it, and it didn't come for thirty years, and here I am in the theater getting to have this experience, and it's changing my life. I'm so lucky. Thank you, Aretha. Thank you, Aretha. I love that gratitude practice. Thanks, babe. Grace and gratitude. Wow, this um, is such a Christian. I'm grateful, mom. <laughs> I'm grateful for um, everyone who listens to our podcast. Like we talk about things that we're really passionate about and we like to share it with you. And thank you to everyone who's been supporting this podcast and who's been listening and giving positive feedback and has become a battle angel because it means a lot to us. So thanks to all of you too. Thank you, babies. We love you. We love uh, you. Subscribe, um, download. You want to do a link, 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 link. Yeah, do link. all that stuff. Wait, should we go out with an Aretha song? Absolutely. I, I kind want? of want to. I kind of want to go out with one that isn't from this movie, though. This song is called "A Rose Is Still a Rose." It is from the album. It is from the album of the same title, which is from 1998, actually. And it's just... so weird. The song is so weird. I'm listening. It's a bop. It's a total bop. And also, Jason and my kind of logo is a rose. 
And so yes. I like it when other singers who aren't vet sing about roses. I love that we're g- we're going out on this. This is so random, and I love yes. it. Y'all, a rose is <laughs> about a rose, by a rose is still a rose. 1998, which is actually Nick and one of Nick and I's like sweet spots. Is like a, one of the <laughs> late nineties late nineties album is a really big thing. So thanks everyone. Thanks for listening. We love you. <laughs> Bye.